Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. And summertime has arrived, and while that intense winter cold uh, that we experienced has certainly left water temperatures in local lakes a lot colder than they would normally be this time of year, and that may be curtailing some swimming, uh, probably no hesitancy about getting out on the water in boats and other watercraft this time of year to start enjoying the outdoor weather. And operating watercraft is our topic for today's legal discussion here on Chicago's Legal Latte. Uh, I'll be joined by a criminal attorney who will share some information that uh, really everyone should give heed to before starting out on the water. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell back again. And and my guest today is Attorney James Dorr of Lavelle Law Limited. Uh, James has a long career in in dealing with criminal cases, and uh, we've talked about DUIs and things of that sort in the past. He'll be sharing some of his knowledge today uh, as it relates to people who are found to be operating a boat under the influence of alcohol. We'll see if we have similarities or differences there. Certainly promises to be a timely and informative discussion, so let's get right to it. Uh, first of all, Mr. Dorr, welcome back to the podcast. Nice to talk to you again. Thank you, Jim. It's good to be here. Now, when we talk about uh, laws here in Illinois, um, is there a specific law or state statute that we refer to that um, we'll be talking about, or is it really vary by jurisdiction? It, it is a state statute that uh, concerns operating a watercraft, and the watercraft could be any number of, uh, it could be a boat or a, a jet ski, some similar type, uh, I guess, uh, watercraft would encompass anything like that. So I guess we can call it, say boating to make it easier to talk about here. But it, it, the state statute concerns watercrafts of various descriptions um, and then use of or operating watercraft under the influence of alcohol. So it's a separate statute than what people would consider the DUI statute for driving a motor vehicle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, as, as you deal with you know criminal cases, I'm sure this comes up. Is, is there a lot of case law that you can refer to, or is there just not really a lot of history in terms of this particular statute? Not a lot of case law. No, there's not a lot of case law out there that the the appellate courts kind of hit and miss on uh, different driving under the influence cases in different uh, states and how they've approached that, and even some federal law. So um, it, there, it's, it's, it is different. There's, there's not a whole lot of guidance for that uh, exact issue of boating under the influence. Okay. So let's, let's talk about some of the specifics. Um, and I think you mentioned something right there at the get-go. It is a violation of, of being under the influence, is that going to be treated the same way it would be for someone driving a car? It's treated very similar, but it, there are some differences, some key differences. But the, state, the, the statute itself reads very similar to the 11-501, the, the DUI statute for cars, um, what, what's considered under the influence of a .08 standard or... Um, you can also be arrested if the officer has uh, observations that uh, indicative of somebody being under the influence. Uh, you mentioned officers. I wanted to bring that up as well. Who who is uh, responsible for you know keeping an eye on boaters? Is it is it the local police or is there some other law enforcement group that's responsible for things on the water? There's local DNR agents. Uh, there's also there can be county. Uh, you know, sheriff's departments uh, have jurisdiction over some waterways. Um, it could be state or local level. 
Um, it depends on the nature of, I guess, the locality. Uh, some some yeah. towns are right on the water. They 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 do more policing of their waterways, and sometimes it is left to you know state authorities or or even to be uh, coast guard. Okay. Yeah, I think that's you know one thing for people to be aware of. If they're up on areas like the chain or on some of the the larger rivers where where there's a lot of boating, they should expect that there's going to be someone out there you know keeping an eye on things. That, that the chain is a great example. There, there there could be a local DNR or there could be a, a, a county sheriff out there. So it could be Lake County or McHenry County, um, but you could be you could you could meet sheriffs as well as state uh, DNR. So yes, that's a great example. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's go back to what you were talking about there in terms of differences and similarities. Um, if if the statute reads fairly much the same in terms of the the level uh, of alcohol in in the blood, um, what about the consequences? If, if convicted, does someone face the same type of sentencing and fines they would on a boat as in a car? Pretty pretty similar. It's considered a class A misdemeanor, so it could be up to 364 days in in local jail, uh, and a uh, and or a $2,500 fine. So. It's similar to the Class A misdemeanor that would apply to the driving under the influence in a in a car. Now, when we talk about a car, you and I have spoken. I've talked to some of your colleagues at Lavelle Law in the past about DUIs when driving an automobile. In those conversations, we've always covered the conditions under which a police officer can conduct a DUI test. Uh, you know, the things that they have to, uh, the hurdles they have to go over to make sure or before they can, um, you know, pursue someone in that regard. Are the criteria the same on the water? Uh, the training would be the same. Uh, you would be, because there's uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration um, promulgated the guidelines for field sobriety testing. The same testing would apply to conducting you know, standardized field mm-hmm. sobriety tests in this situation. However, there are differences because of the nature of the stop. Um, sure. you know, on a boat, you can't just step outside of the boat and walk a straight line or stand on one foot. So yeah. there are differences between the car just because of the, the logistics involved. Okay. Um, and what about the conditions under which someone, a, a law enforcement officer can stop someone? Does there need to be some behavior that they observe before they can start to ask someone about or take a look at the sobriety issues? They can certainly stop a boat for reckless behavior, but no, they they don't need... Uh, and then let's just talk about some uh, a police agency that has authority to to go into mm-hmm. and you know over certain things like watercraft. No, they don't need to do that because they need they you know, can do a, a safety inspection, look for fire extinguishers, uh, life preservers. Uh, can they do do a stop uh, looking for a fishing license? Similar things to that. So they don't mm-hmm. need to actually observe a violation of the law or a traffic infraction or something similar to that. They they can just approach a boat to conduct a safety inspection. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. That's certainly a, a different set of circumstances there. Um, I, I'm talking with Attorney James Dorr. James is an experienced member of the criminal law practice group at Lavelle Law, and we've been digging into the details of cases in which someone could be charged with operating a boat or other watercraft while under the influence of alcohol. And, of course, as we hit the, the peak of summer this month, the the days are at their longest, which means people are taking advantage, spending more time on the boat. That means they may have consumed one or two more drinks during the course of the day, especially in, in warmer conditions. So the, it's certainly uh, an opportune time to be aware of, of uh, this type of situation. Um, now, 
when we talk about an officer stopping a, a boat and doing a check of any sort, does the boater have any sort of rights or protections, or are they a bit more fair game than they might be in an automobile? They're a bit more fair game, but I could I would say that based on my experience, there's things a boater can do to avoid that kind of the next step of the inquiry from a, a basic license and safety check to the uh, investigation of a possible boating under the influence, such as what's in plain view. Does the officer, when they approach, do they see empty beer cans or beer bottles or things of that nature around the boat, uh, including next to the driver of the boat? So mm-hmm. things like that could, could ratchet it up to the next step. So I would say that, you know, avoiding things like that, um, you know, loud conduct, uh, loud music, you know, uh, plain view, uh, beer and whatnot, you know, or cannabis, anything like that. You can avoid, avoid the next the next step in that process, the investigation. Sure. And I, I don't want to sidetrack us here, and maybe it's a completely different topic that, that goes well beyond the scope, but you mentioned, you know, open beer bottles or things. Are there laws specifically against having alcohol on boats, or is it it's allowed, but it's just we're talking about the operator having too much? Uh, some, some lakes uh, prohibit a- any alcohol. Uh, so it comes down to the, the, really the exact locality. Got it. Now, tell me a little bit about um, the test, the sobriety test, if they're going to be administered. I, again, I know in discussions regarding uh, driving situations, DUIs, there are certain times in which it might be advisable to a, a, a driver to not take the test. If they can refuse it, it may, may require other things be done. Is it uh, any different in a boat? Are there any instances in which you would suggest that they not take a sobriety test if stopped? I, I, my view is that's the collection of evidence to be used against a person in court, and my advice would be not to provide that sort of evidence, especially if somebody's been a, a drinking um, in that case. So, yes, I'd, I would mm-hmm. say to refuse testing because um, it comes down to the officer's uh, opinion versus your own opinion. And in court, which one's going to carry more weight? That's what we have to worry about is from the defendant's point of view. Interesting. And I just had a thought here, too, as well now. Uh, is operating a boat considered to be completely different? If Let's, let's say there is a, um, a conviction on a boat. Does that impact driving? Does it count as a DUI the same way a driving violation would? It, it doesn't. It, in Illinois, uh, boating under the influence would not impact your Illinois driver's license. Um, you have to beware that some out-of-state convictions for, I've seen in Illinois, people were revoked based on operating, say, a, a four-wheeler or a snowmobile or even boating. So there's out-of-state convictions on those that can be reported back to Illinois. So you have to be careful about that. But just strictly in Illinois, no, it wouldn't suspend or revoke your driver's license. Um, it's enforceable by the DNR and not the Secretary of State's office. So the remedy doesn't impact your driver's license because of that. Okay. And and it's, I just want to make sure I heard what you said there, too, because you mentioned out-of-state incidents and, uh, you know, using other types of vehicles. But I, I know, I'm thinking back to a previous podcast, we've done so many, so many great topics, but uh, in one case we discussed underage drinking. I think we were talking specifically about college students who might be away at school and how if they're found for in violation in another state, that may carry over here to Illinois and catch up with them. If someone's caught boating outside of Illinois, up in Wisconsin or Minnesota, and they have a license here, does it impact their, their boating license or the record here as well? It, it, it can, and that's why I, w- I would recommend hiring a local counsel from the other state uh, 
to make sure that something like that doesn't impact uh, your Illinois driving privileges. Okay. And uh, in terms of um, the fines and penalties and jail terms associated with, with any of the boating uh, uh, under the influence, um, is it, again, like driving in that um, things can increase if there's multiple violations and, and penalties become more severe? Yeah, exactly right, right. The, the basic is 2500 for a, a Class A misdemeanor, but there's other costs that can, and fines that can be imposed as well. Court costs are always a, uh, an issue, and there's separate uh, violations. So, yes, they, depending on what, what's cited, um, they all carry separate penalties and fees. Okay. Um, James Doors is our guest here from Lavelle Law, and, and James, with just a minute or so we have left, as I said, this is kind of peak season right now. So, you know, as, as a summary, as someone who has seen this and dealt with this, what, what's sort of the general advice? Uh, what do you recommend for anyone who's who's on the water and may find themselves, you know, confronted with a law enforcement officer? What's what are the best steps then? Well, the first thing I would say is don't don't drink and operate the the vehicle, the, either the boat or car or any any such thing. But if somebody has my advice would be to not admit to drinking, not submit to a portable or preliminary breath testing device, um, and not submit to any physical tests such as walk and turn tests, one leg stand tests, even alphabet or counting, anything the officer wants to do. It's simply a tool to collect evidence to be used against you in a court of law and help convict you of whatever he charges. Okay. Well, um, very interesting topic, very timely one, and I certainly want to say thanks to James Dorr for being with us. Uh, Great information. Now, uh, as I always try and refer uh, during the course of these conversations, uh, lavellelaw.com is a great place to stop to get some additional information. Um, You can certainly get background on James and the criminal law practice at Lavelle Law, and uh, you'll find also a number of articles. And you heard me mention today throughout the podcast other podcasts and discussions we've had. They're all archived there. You can listen to them at your convenience anytime you'd like. So highly recommend that. And um, I guess I would just echo what uh, James said. Please drive and boat safely throughout the summer, and we look forward to having you join us for other conversations from week to week. Thanks very much. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com.